listening to three beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode sixty-nine of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Barry Neil. And today, Barry, we're not anywhere apart from at home. Um, you're in your home, I'm in my home, because um, some of us skint and also just time we're getting together. This week has yeah. been pretty short. Um, but at least if we can do episode 69, I'm assuming you are naked as I am naked, you know, for episode 69. <laughs> yes, of course, I'm, of course. In my, I'm in my podcasting pants. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're doing it as sexy as we possibly can. Um, are you are you drinking anything tonight? Uh, no, actually, I, I didn't have a chance to go and peruse the alcohol aisle, so unfortunately I'm on diluting orange juice tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, much same, very much the same, I'm on a cup of tea because I am officially after a, a, a close friend's wedding on Saturday, um, I'm off the booze for a couple of weeks at least, um, the body requires some recovery time at this point, yeah. When you, when you go into your 30s you don't quite kick back as you once did, you know, you, you, no. it, it, has a, it has an effect on you. You know, yes. Yeah. As, we've, as we've all learned very recently, yeah. on the defence here, we are not twenty-one anymore. No, most definitely not. Um, I believe in twenty-five anymore. You know, so um, yeah, <laughs> uh, a, day, a day of drinking will take me roughly about four days to recover from, which I am. St- I'm, I'm pretty much over it now, but it was a long, a long, a long couple of days there. Um, but yes. you've been you've been missing for the last couple of weeks because you took a little tour of some Scandinavian countries and Germany. Um, I'm yes. assuming on that trip you drank some interesting beers. Mm. Did anything of interest, you know, pique your interest? Did anything you you, want, you remember you were trying to look out for when you're back home? Uh, oh, what was that name? That was there was that one from Aberdeen. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe you take me a picture of. Yeah, I have to find the name of that one out. Um, how weird is it? You all you, you, an Aberdeen beer. You don't find it until you go to you know Copenhagen. I know, yeah. I know. I'd never even heard about it until I was sitting there, and then I seen it, and then obviously because we are Scottish, we uh, have to drink the, the local beer. But it was so bizarre to find it over there. Yeah, I've, I've got no doubt when I go to America next year, I will probably end up drinking Brewdog all the time. Mm, you know, just, know, just because it's like I can get it home, but I'm from these, I'm going to keep drinking that because like, why am I doing this? But you like what you like, and you also when you're abroad, you feel the need to almost big up the you know the hometown stuff. Yeah. Um, my, big, my biggest problem was maybe maybe it might be different now, but my biggest problem was every pub we went into, all they seemed to have on tap was like whatever light beer was happening at that moment in time. It was either Bud or Cools you got, and that yeah. was really about it. Ah, uh, better. You, you'd think if you go to Germany, you go to like you know, you Sweden and Denmark, wouldn't you think you'd think you'd have some more sort of like unique local things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you recommend travelling through Scandinavia and Germany? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It was a fantastic train journey from Gothenburg to Copenhagen. You think that, that must go over, like a, it goes over a bridge, doesn't it? Like a, a big, massive, long bridge between the, the two countries, doesn't it? It does, aye. It's, it's that a famous bridge that everyone talks about. Yes, yeah, so we can't remember the name of. I cannot remember the name of it. Yeah. I didn't even know it had a name. But... It does actually span some distance yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, between the two. Yeah, it's not just a quick small bridge; it's like a proper journey over. Aye, it's, it's, it's big. It's like not the fourth road bridge. You're talking like you know something like treble the size or something like that, isn't it? It's absolutely massive. Mm, yeah, aye, it's, it's absolutely massive. And yeah. then half of it's a tunnel as well because uh, I can't remember what what half, but one half wanted because there's like a joint project between aye. the two countries. One half wanted it to be a tunnel, the other half wanted it to be a bridge. They couldn't come to an agreement, so 
each build their own ideas and then they joined it together. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank God they met up in the middle at some point, otherwise it'd been, you know, total waste of money. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so you're Germany, Scandinavia, you enjoyed that. Um, but we'll just get into some of the, the non-cinema viewing quite quickly. Um, anything of interest you've watched at home over the last couple of weeks, since we talked to you last? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if I had started it the last time I was on the podcast, but uh, for if I haven't mentioned it, I've now finished the second season of Big Mouth, no, which is before. a Netflix animation movie, uh, animation TV show. Yeah. I've got to admit, the second season holds up just as good as the first season if you like the first season you're gonna absolutely love the second season because it really just picks up where the first one finished and it takes it to a whole nother level and then pretty much sets itself up for a third season though i can't seem to find any information if it's been confirmed or not for i think it has season, been so. i think it has been confirmed now yes oh has it yeah fantastic um fantastic is yeah, it, is it? I, it's, it's just really funny especially with the introduction of um he's kind of just like a cat a like a morality check right with character he just comes in and he kind of like just brings everyone down and just makes them realize um like what they're doing and all that and just kind of make them look at things a bit differently and that adds a good spin to it because as funny as it is with the kind of hormone monsters and the kind of yeah. jokes and stuff it does become a bit stale like quite early on into the second season and then with this introduction of this other character it kind of picks up again and it becomes quite funny and stuff because he referenced a lot of things and then they end up appearing like further on down the line so that's quite good you know it's like all the little things in the background and stuff yeah because the general premise of the show is it's sort of it's like three or four kids all going through sort of like puberty and sort of growing up in this one wee kind of small town and sort of trying to deal with like all the Shit that grown up throws at you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's much, bu- yeah, it's like kind of like a, I wouldn't say they're all pals, but they all know, each, all know of each other. Yeah, um, and they all talk to each other, like and uh, that centers around the kind of five characters. And yeah, it's just all about them going through puberty, it's slightly different stages and stuff. And then you know, it's good that this season kind of focused more on the girls as well it All wasn't right. so much about the boys because the first season was more about them so it was yeah. kind of nice to get a kind of change of pace and a bit more about the kind of girl aspect like one of them ends up near the end of the second season ends up suffering depression and all that right, which right. is quite fu- uh, which is quite a cool development as yeah. well you get to I can explore because I mean it was I would argue it, it deeply it was didn't offend me, but I know some people were very offended by it when it first came out because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really pull many punches. It does sort of go straight for the jugular a lot of times, and sometimes maybe I think oh, it, oversteps the mark it, a little bit. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It no. is pretty like vulgar, but then if you were kind of brought up and even enjoyed South Park when it first came about, yeah. or even early Family Guy, I guess up to a certain point. Or yeah, American Dad and all that kind of stuff. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have any issues with this. Yeah, like, I, I personally think it's like some of the funniest. Eh, like I find it quite amusing as well. Some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to like this, uh, the PE teacher uh-huh. in, the, in it as well, because he's like such an idiot. You don't even know how he's managed to get this job. Yeah, I recommend watching it if you're a fan of the first season. Oh, one 
hundred percent. Yeah. Aye. But yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting. Watch anything else of interest you've watched? Uh, the only other thing I've watched, which I think we're going to speak about later on, is the twenty second of July. Yeah, we'll get we're we'll going to that in a little minute. Um, the only thing I've watched at home out with um, the twenty second of July was a film called Stronger, which is on Amazon. Sorry, no, not Amazon, Netflix, sorry. It's um, it's not a Netflix original, it was out in the cinema last year, I think, maybe like, remember, December time last year, I think, I unfortunately missed it. Um, but basically it's a story of um, a guy who was injured in the Boston bombings, he loses um, both his legs, and it's his sort of road to recovery, of, you know, they're trying to get back to some level of normality. Um, you've got Jake Gyllenhaal playing the, the, the gentleman whose who's legs are blown out from under him, um, but what it does, it sort of it, it tackles the idea of in this society now we sort of fetishize um, disasters, you know, like yep. like and we, and we seem to like make these survivors into like heroes, which indeed they are. But some of them in this film gets to the point of this: they don't want to be heroes. They don't want to be reminded every single day of the life that this happened to them. You know, they want to try and move beyond it. But it's become such a focal point of life that everyone just wants to only talk about that one thing to them. And in a great degree, wants to try and maybe exploit that part of their life, you know? Mm. Um, so it's this guy trying to deal with that. Because he's not... The guy the, the guy in it, he's basically... Just, you're, you're pretty much just your token, idiotic Bostonian who likes to drink, watch the Red Sox, and that's about it. He doesn't want... He has no real noble sort of idea of life. And this thing happens to him. And he's sort of almost forced to embrace this whole Boston Strong attitude. Remember, if, you remember, if you remember that was going about at the time, you know, it was this, you know, and have used it recently with other sort of disasters. But, like, his family wanted him to embrace this, and he sort of, like, he just wants to not deal with it. He just wants to, you know, in many ways be depressed about what's happened to him and then at, at all times try and fight back from it. Um, so it makes this really interesting point about, you know, celebrity that's forced upon people. Yeah, and I guess that's about like outside the disasters. You could even like say that's a bit like a kind of modern day life now. It's like oh. a lot of people who are kind of in the limelight or whatever, or even celebrities, they probably really shouldn't be there because it's like they're not really celebrities. Yeah, I think the idea is that people yeah. people right now everyone thinks everyone pursues because so many people do pursue their celebrity status and they want to try and get even just you know, on TV for five minutes, there is a huge subject subject of society who, who don't want to be famous and don't want to have any sort of exposure. Yeah. You know, if something happened to myself or you, I don't necessarily want to see that thing plastered all over the internet and over the television. I'd probably much rather deal with it in a more private, personal way. Um, uh-huh. So this film tackles all those issues, which I really enjoyed that part of it, and it really took me by surprise, the angle it took on that. Um, uh-huh. The ending of it, maybe the final half hour, gets a little bit more into sort of like the your sugarcoating, you know, biopic thing when you're talking, you know, in response to disasters that you're kind of used to, when it gets a little bit sweeter than it probably needs to be, you know, and it feels a little bit more kind of by the numbers and you kind of seen it a hundred times before with, with like sort of these um, recovery films, you know, you've seen probably seen them a lot of them in the past. Um, but for the first hour and 20, I thought it was, I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So it's actually a really interesting film. And, and Jake Gyllenhaal is probably one of the most underrated actors going this now. Like he does some, oh, I, he does some really interesting stuff. But he doesn't really get the credit he deserves for it. Yeah, he does a lot more kind of low key films rather than the kind of big budget stuff now. Yeah, and when he, I haven't I've seen him in over the last maybe five, six, even seven years, maybe but maybe last decade, he's always been so so good in it. If you look at something that came out a few years ago, that Nightcrawler film, when he oh. played, 
you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's, he's terrifying in that film. You know, and he's just, and it's a brilliant role. And there's been a few other things recently he's played, and you go, like, you're a good actor. You know, you really have got a lot of, you know, kudos, and it seems like he's been kind of ignored by Hollywood for some reason. We don't really understand why. You know, they seem to have, like, sort of indicated they're not really that interested in him anymore. I and mean, I feel he deserves a lot more exposure for, like, for his talent than, than he actually gets. Yeah, I think we spoke about this before. This, yeah. This, this conversation seems very familiar that yeah. we were talking about this. Yeah, that we, we, we like we like Gyllenhaal. That's what we're trying to say. We like, we like the man. Yeah. He should get a bit more exposure. Uh, but that's the only thing I've watched at home um, out with something we're going to talk about later on. Um, so we'll go on to some cinema viewings now. Yeah, just just before the cinema, I yeah. want to just give a quick shout because I can't Google the name of that company, so I feel it's only right that I give them Yes, the beer company, yeah, fire away. It's called uh, Fierce Beer from right, Aberdeen, yes. and uh, the drink that I had was called Night Shift. That's okay. why I ordered it originally because I seen the name and thought it was quite funny, right, quite okay. amusing. Um, yeah, fiercebeer.com. Fierce Beer, we'll give them a shout out. Hopefully. Go and order, and if you order before two p.m., it says you can get it next day delivery. There you go. So Fierce Beer, they're not even paying us to advertise for them, but you will advertise for them nonetheless. I felt it was only fair after absolutely forgetting the name even though it was a <laughs> Scottish company and yes. I had found it you know yeah um, yeah. so now we'll move on to the um, cinematic viewing so there's a few things out this week I've not seen everything but I've seen a few things um, the first one up is something one film you've not seen this week actually it's a film called First Man uh-huh. directed by Damien Chazelle um, who directed Whiplash and La La Land um, okay. have you, I don't know if you've seen either of those films both I think fantastic movies uh, yeah, you were, you were really bigging up uh, La La Land, but I haven't yet found, I haven't found a minute to actually watch it yeah. yet. Um, I, I, the, the, La Land's a weird film. La Land, the opening of La La Land is phenomenal. The ending of, of La La Land is some of the most beautiful cinema you'll ever see. The middle could maybe wear you down a little bit. It's maybe not quite as up to the peaks of the start and the finish. But overall, it's a fantastic film. Whiplash is a phenomenal movie, um, which I really urge. If you've not seen it, try and find it, because it's, uh, it's right up your street. You will really enjoy it. That's the one about the drumming, isn't it's it? Basically a, it's basically a, drummer. Yeah, it's basically a, a, a jazz drummer, but it's actually a horror film, essentially. But oh, but not not in a not in a not in a, like a sort of um, not not in a slasher movie kind of way. It's it's just sort of like one man breaking another man down like emotionally and psychologically. Oh, okay. Yeah, Hopefully. but watch it. It's it's genuinely brilliant, and J.K. Simmons is phenomenal in it. Like he gives a performance of his career in it, and that's a guy who's done some good stuff. Uh, but no, fantastic. Whiplash is fantastic. Um, and I'm happy to report when we, I'll tell you why. But First Man is equally as fantastic. Um, oh, good. Stuff. So the plot of the film essentially it follows the the, the life of Neil Armstrong for about ten years um, as he prepares to to try and get onto the Apollo missions um, and, and essentially go to the moon. And it follows him, and it follows his family, um, and it follows the process of actually of trying to do that. Um, it's it's quite a personal story in, in, compared to what you what you think you know. Um, Ryan Gosling plays Neil Armstrong, good actor. Uh, Claire Foy plays his wife. Um, you get Jason Clark also pops up in it. Kyle Chandler pops up in it. Pablo Schreiber pops up. Corey Stoll, Patrick Fugit, um, Shea Wiggum. So it's, it's got an absolutely you know it's got a properly good cast of guys who you look at and you go, I know them from so much stuff. You know, and then they're always very good in everything they do. And they never watch, never see any of these actors in something. You go, oh, they're going to phone it in. They're always really, really good. Um, it's a fantastically shot film. It looks amazing. Like it, cool. like it looks absolutely. But it's very personal. It doesn't 
go for the it doesn't do very often the big wide panoramic Hollywood shots a lot of the time. It's very much in your face. It's very much shot for the most part like an indie film, you know, like a sort of very like a cult movie to an extent. So you'd always feel you're very, very close to, to Armstrong throughout the whole film. Um, it's not a spoiler to say at the start of the film it starts off with um, the death of Armstrong's child which I never knew that I mean I'm a huge space fan I love all things NASA but I didn't know the fact that Neil Armstrong lost his daughter when she was like three years old Aye. she had a brain tumour yeah. and so basically the film is basically the film is him going through PTSD and the way he gets over his PTSD of losing his daughter is to basically sink everything in life into making sure he you know, becomes an astronaut and goes to the moon and it, it, it's following that journey. So it's just really, it's, it's a, like I said, we all know the story, we all know where it ends. And we we all kind of roughly know how they got there because we've all seen documentaries and we've all seen movies in the past. But to see this really intimate portrayal of a man who you think you know, like everyone, everyone, everyone knows who Neil Armstrong is, he's not hidden in any way. But to see this deeply personal version of him, is, it's really touching and really quite, become it really quite it's it's nice it really it really does get you uh, no it's actually it's good that it kind of kicks off with that like i know it's obviously it seems like it's quite a big part of his life yes yeah uh, that kind because of, obviously that kind of guides him into wanting to do that career yeah so yeah it's good that they can never really skip that bit because they could have so easily have went just for the the simple story of the build up to the launch and then the actual mission to the moon. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad to dive more into his personal life. Yeah, that's that's the thing. If you watch stuff like the right stuff, um, or if you've watched Apollo thirteen, and if you watch like you know from the Earth to the Moon, and you've watched, um, I think that's another really good moon film as well. You you know how they got there. You know what they've done, and and that story's not interesting. I mean, that story's incredible, and that story has been told a thousand times. So you know that story. This story you haven't heard before. You haven't seen the you haven't seen the you know the, the story of the, of the man. Essentially, it's just, it's it's like you know everyone, It's like you know any big event. You know Columbus got to America. But you never actually see a film about Columbus. You know, it, it's breaking yeah. it down to that more personal aspect of someone. Um, Gosling is fantastic in the lead role. Um, nice. His performance is, is excellent. Some people criticise it, saying he plays Armstrong a little bit too aloof, you know, so maybe too non-personal. Um, people, right. people said he actually was quite an affable, quite a, a much more chatty guy amongst friends. But his portrayal of Armstrong, it, it holds true to, to, to a version of Armstrong that some people said did exist, just maybe not quite as 24-7 as Gosling portrays him. But mm-hmm. he commits the role, he's absolutely fantastic and He could go back to back best supporting that best um, acting Oscars this year um, which nice. I think the first time since Tom Hanks done it back in the early 90s um, so it'll be a while since someone's done that and he definitely would be you know up there with a shout for it um, the length of time is two, it's two and a bit hours long no, like two and a half hours long but it does fly past it, it uses its time really well um, oh good yeah you don't feel I never felt I was sitting there going like oh I wish the thing would hurry along I wish it would you know wish it would I wish you know we'd get to the end Every moment is really quite. It's encapsulating. It, it grabs you from from start to finish. Um, it covers about ten years of time, but it does these really nice subtle time jumps. When you see something, you realize, oh shit, we're now two years down the line, and it it, it does it really well. Um, so you don't feel like you're, you don't doesn't rely on stuff like you know, constantly having like things popping up on the screen like two years later, five years later. You know, it 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 trusts an audience to know that time has passed. Which sounds really simple, but it's it's nice to see a, a director and a and a production team have faith in an audience to understand what they're trying to do. You know, rather than just yeah. totally, always signposting it. 
Um, I would say if you can get a chance, see it in a cinema with, with, with a good sound system because the the lock the rocket launches are absolutely incredible with the sound because it's like it's so visceral and it's so <laughs> brutal. Like again, it's you're not watching it from some outside view. You're sitting in the capsule as it launches, and at times it felt anything that Von Steam may or may like. You go to a theme park, you get those rides. We sit in it, and it's um, you know, it's like you're flying a, a spaceship or you're driving a car, and it, you feel like even though you're not moving, you feel like you're still getting thrown side to side. It, yeah, yeah. It feels like that. It, it's so it's so brutal, and you're watching it going that looks utterly terrifying, you know, because you know the way they use the technology in this, you know, um, so definitely you can see it with. On the biggest screen you possibly can, and the best sound system you probably can, it is hundred percent worth it. Almost sounds like a movie that would, well, like I don't know how much scenes are like rocket launching and all that, but it does sound like a movie that would almost work in the that kind of four DX style of environment. Oh yeah, I mean the four DX thing for us. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't do it myself because I, I don't like the idea of four DX. But yeah, this film, it, it's maybe not the film you want to see in it because it, it's. The rocket launches are sort of interspersed, you right. know, like with sort of a lot of drama. So there's not a lot of stuff going on. In the moments, the quiet moments, there's not as much going on. It's not like an action film. There's always something moving. The rocket launches are sort of are these like sort of staging posts throughout the film that you get to, as opposed to being the point throughout the whole film. Also, the amount of rattling this thing does, the amount of like shaking it does, I reckon people have just been vomiting in their seats. To be honest, it's <laughs> honestly it's. I was watching it in a completely still cinema, and I felt kind of sick watching it because. It's it's really terrifying the fact that these guys got into these things and done what they did is just fucking madness in my opinion. Um, but also the greatest thing that we've ever done ever. Um, like, like, did it ever like um, did it ever show you in the film like how his wife coped with the fact that he had like, uh, lost a lost a child and then suddenly was like right love. I wanted to go to space. Well, did, you, did, did, they, did they show her going, Neil, you fucking lost it, Peter? No, I mean, I mean, it wasn't the death of his daughter that made him want to go to space. He was already a test pilot. He was already doing stuff like that. He just had this dream right. of going into space. So it, it, it wasn't just the death of the daughter that done that. He already had a sort of drive to do it to some degree. Um, so this, maybe that was just like an added impetus. But they, they do play out a little bit in the film that the, the idea that his daughter's death is a kind of all encompassing thing that pushes him that pushes him through. Maybe gives him that extra bit of determination to do something in her memory, almost. Um, yeah. So the wife's role. This is the only negative in the bit in the film for me is Claire Foy's that plays the wife. She's from The Crown and she's in the new Girl in the Spider's Web film that's coming out soon as well. Um, she's great in what she does. She's she's a fantastic actress and what she does is excellent. There's just not enough of her. Uh, and it felt like her role could have been explored a little bit more to see, you know, how she, like you said, ask her, how is she dealing with it? You know, and oh. you don't really get enough of that to to to, um, to really feel like she's had a substantial role in the film. Um, she has little moments in it, but not enough to make it, you know, to, to really nail that part. And I think, I think they had to have her in, because if you don't have her in, it becomes, it doesn't make sense to not have her there, because you've got to see this yeah. part of her life, of this guy's life. But if you're going to have her there, at least use her. Aye, exactly. Exactly. Um, and they used her decent, but I felt there was so much more they could explore than that in that part. Um, and for that reason and that reason alone, it's a nine out of ten, and not a ten out of ten. But it's a nine nine out of ten. Wow. I, I like I said, I want to go back and see it again. I'm going to go and try and see it on the big big screen, see the big super screens they have. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and see it on that just to see it like even bigger because it is. I think the film needs to be seen like that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I really, That's good. I really enjoyed nine it. Out of 10. Nine out of ten. 
I would never have thought that would have got a 9 out of 10, but oh. there you go. It also comes down. I, I I love all things you know to do with NASA and space. I think it's, I think it's mm. what they do is incredible. So when you put a film about smart people being smart, I am like I I am in this film. I, I'm invested in this film. I will watch this film. You know, so cool. um, like my, it's it's not quite as me. I think the best space film is still Apollo thirteen. Mm-hmm. It's still my favorite of all the NASA films. This is pretty close to that. Oh, I thought it was Armageddon. <laughs> I actually like Armageddon because it does have a NASA feel to it. Um, but, but no, um, Apollo thirteen is still my favourite by album by a, a, a wee bit. It's I think Apollo thirteen is an amazing movie, like start really? to finish, perfect. Oh, I, I, I'm trying to think. It's, I don't even know. It, it's been that long since I've seen Apollo thirteen that it genuinely almost makes me want to go and watch it. It's been that long. I bought it in Blu-ray recently and watched it again, and it holds up fantastically well. Nice. I think it have done a good job at the uh, the cap. The transfer. Oh. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, the transfer of Apollo thirteen is absolutely great. It still looks, it still looks as it did. It's, it's not, they're not wasting it anyway. It's still absolutely enjoyable to watch. Cool. Okay, yeah. so first man, nine out of ten. Nine, well, I'm going to say, let me put, I'm going to give an extra half, nine and a half out of ten. Oh, there we go. Just just, nine and a half. just that thing with the white roll he's brought it down a little bit. But other than that, fucking phenomenal. And Damien Chazelle has put himself now as a director of absolute note because Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man, his first three films out the cage have been absolute stonewall classics. So it's. it's the guy set himself up for a, a hell of a career, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but on to the second film, which is in cinemas in some places. It's got a kind of limited release across the world, um, okay. but but it was dropped on Netflix, so the whole world can see it at the same time. It's a film called Twenty Two July, and that's how they've been pronounced. And that's how the director pronounced it as well. Twenty Two July, not July Twenty Second. It's Twenty Two July. Even calling it. Okay. Um, so it's directed by Paul Greengrass, who he directed stuff like United Ninety Three, the one about the 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 fourth plane and the the nine eleven uh, attacks. Yeah. The one that the one that the passengers like sort of try to take back and end up crashing. You remember? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, he done he done a film called Bone Supremacy as well. He done Green Zone. Um, he's most recently done is a film called Captain Phillips. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So he does. Okay, so, so this guy's got a bit of credentials when it comes to this, this style, style of movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the plot of this film is it takes place on the twenty second of July, and it tells the story of a. Is it Brevik? Is his name, isn't it? I can't remember. Is it Anders Brevik? That was his scumbag's name. Um, who uh, essentially set a bomb off in Oslo. Uh, yep. Um, and then proceeded to go to an island where there was like sort of a scout, sort of like meeting, not um, like sort of young adult sort of like gathering for like a camp. Yeah. And proceeds to massacre people on the island and shoots yeah. and just shoots them all at random. Goes hunting them and essentially takes them all down. Or a lot of them down. Um, I think it's about seventy odd people he kills in total, isn't it? Yeah, seventy odd people, including, including the bomb. It's about seventy odd people he kills. Um, but he gives himself up in the film. He gives him one in real life, as obviously real life as well. And the film is then about the recovery of one of the people he shoots, who he thinks he's killed. And also, it's Norway trying to deal with how to give this man a trial because they want a trial and they want to put him away for life. Because they don't want to give him a soapbox to stand on in order to sort of like. Um, you know, announce his rhetoric and, and make people and, and make, make a martyr out of him. So it's, it's, they're trying to find that delicate balance of of convict him and showing what he does is evil, but not give them that that you know that that live audience in order to sort of in some way brainwash other people. Um, yeah, starring a guy, um, a guy called Anders Danielson, who plays the sort of the main boy, one story you follow of the boy who gets injured. He was in a film called Personal Shopper. Um, Jonas Strand Gravely plays uh, Brevik, and you've got John. Garden, oh, who, who plays you've his, got them two mixed up. Have I? Yeah, 
Aye, you've got them in the wrong way. So Anders, and, da- Anders Danielson plays and, Breivik. Aye, Jonas plays uh, the younger. Young, the younger boy. Yeah, yeah. And Anders Danielson plays the actual, who play, he plays Breivik. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got John Oygarden, I think his name is, he plays the the lawyer, like the lawyer yeah. of, of Breivik. Um, what did you think yeah, of this? You're doing an absolute stellar job pronouncing these names. <laughs> I'm looking at the list of actors and actresses and I'm like sitting here going, I'd probably butcher more than half of these. Um, I'm stopping after three. I'm not mentioning any more because I can't. I've, I looked at the names and there's too many vowels with, with little weird things through them. I can't pronounce it. Um, what do you think of it? You, you just finished it literally like 10 minutes ago, didn't you? Yeah, well, well maybe 10 minutes. I'm having an exaggeration. Yeah. yeah, I literally finished it just before this uh, recording. So it's fresh off the press. And, you know, I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to go the way that it did in terms of really just like, like you said, not really giving this guy a soapbox yep. to preach like what he did. Because for the, as far as I'm aware, for the most part, it is following like true life events. Yep. Like nothing's been exaggerated. There's no Hollywood in this. No. It's all just very much a reconstruction yeah. and it was good the fact that they didn't really shine too much light on the actual event as such like it had its moment yeah but it was more about the recovery and then the trial and all that and that's what was kind of good about it and not really what i was expecting which was like a ton of events no i agree that's uh, that's the thing i got from it as well like i really the trailer of this film sells it as coming it almost Again, fetishizes the actual event. You think, oh my god, it's going to show a guy basically hunting people in a sort of almost a horror movie fashion. But it's really not. The, the, the actual attack is going to be the first half hour, 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's really short. It's no, really tight for like a film that's two and a half hours long that is a really short moment right. in it. The vast majority of the film is, like you said, about the recovery and about the, you know, the trial. Um, but yeah, sorry, sorry you, were, you were saying you were going to go to continue. Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, just the. Yeah, it's just it was just well told. The only th- the only criticism I'll give this movie at all is the in fact. Sorry, there's two. Sorry, two. two. Is I felt like well for us anyway. If I don't know if the film was dubbed or the uh, the actors in the film were speaking English, but I felt this film could have done better if it was just subtitled. For I, us. I don't disagree with that actually, and it's I think. I think the decision to not have subtitles and make it make the actors speak English was in order to get a wider release. Because as much yeah. as people will not what people do tend to shy away from films that are subtitled, which I, I can understand to an extent. I don't mind it, but some I can see why some people do mind it. You know, they don't want to have to concentrate quite hard as that on the dialogue. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like the the, the accents. At times, not all the time, you can certainly tell this is someone's second language. You know, albeit yes. yeah. So, albeit they do speak um, English a lot better than I speak Norwegian. So, we can't. I'm not going to complain. Um, oh, I absolutely. But absolutely. I absolutely would have been. I, I would have no issues if they tried decided to do this film in Norwegian, and I think I think it would have been equally as powerful and as as viable. Um, yeah. so I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. But only other criticism, and this is maybe a wee bit on my part as well, but. I found it was a little bit sluggish in the middle, in the kind of centre of the film. I felt it could have kind of picked up the pace a little bit. It, kind of, it felt like it was kind of slogging its way through the middle section and then kind of, kind of kept moving near the end of the film. I just found the middle section a bit kind of 
right, come on, let's let's get moving here, what's happening and all that. But I know they were kind of unravelling it yeah. all and really just painting you a good picture of the kind of horrible bind they were in. Yeah, I felt... The, much yourself, I thought the middle of the film was a little bit sluggish, um, and I thought it was repeating points, maybe more times it needed to repeat certain points. You know, it's like you, you don't have to hammer this point home three times, you can do it twice. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but I guess that's sort of the part of the problem they had with this entire case when they're doing it. Um, you know, it's trying to, you know, find a way through it. And like I said, it does, I, think it, I, I, think it, I think it holds it, I think it does it well that it shows them, like, this guy as for what he was, which is. Oh, yeah, um, because if he got to speak properly the way he wanted to speak, there's a lot of people, particularly now, who would think what he was saying was was accurate and true. You know, because they'll probably argue, "Oh, maybe he shouldn't, he shouldn't have shot seventy people," but everything he's saying is right. You know, and it, and if and the way they get over that is by having the survivors basically just call him for what he is. And I thought they got that across really powerfully. You know, the fact yeah, that yeah. the guy sits in the like the guy sits in the courtroom and talks about what happened and and doesn't interact with him but, but, but basically stares him down you know by just by the courage of being there and even makes a joke yeah, of yeah. it even makes a joke at one point of it mm. when he said because oh, the boy's lost his sight in his left eye and he says um, how's that feeling he goes well it's good because I don't have to look at him anymore and I thought that's to actually make a joke about such a but I'm told come from the actual court transcripts oh, um, nice. it does actually you know it shows that they, they did win quote unquote by beating him down um, mm. but yeah I thought it was I thought it was a really unflinching version of this um, yeah, it, it was that. It's, uh, it's definitely not. It's definitely not light-hearted viewing at all. This is a, this is a film that you feel like this isn't just a. Like, I don't know what this is. I'll randomly stick on. This yeah. is a. You kind of maybe need to know before going in that you're going to be sitting there going through this. You know. Yeah, there is another version. There is a, a film coming out later on this year in December. I think it's getting a cinema release over here um, about uh-huh. the events as well. Um, but it's made by Norwegians. It's not made by because Paul Greengrass is, um, I believe, he's British actually, maybe British or Australian. So, but he works within like the like, sort of the British or American film um, basis. Um, there's a Norwegian, actual Norwegian like home telling of this story and this these events, and I think they're doing it quite a different way. They're almost choosing not to show Breivik in any way. They're doing it all oh, purely good. from because the, they in their mind they don't want to show him. They don't like they feel like by showing him. It gives him some sort of power, yeah. Which I totally get, and I think, but also equally, I totally get Greengrass's version of it as well. I think has a has a has a has an absolutely viable version of this film, and he does hold, he does carry it off with a lot of tact and a lot of boys, and again doesn't glorify it. So I, think I can see both reasoning behind why you want to show him and why you don't want to show him. So I will be interested to see how the second version of this, you know, holds up, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and equally what it does absolutely. and what it does differently. You know, do you, do you get a different point of view from seeing it from? Like only survivors' angles, you know, like or something. I think they might even be trying to only survive that one day. They might not. They might have a bit less about the actual events after and that kind of stuff. So, I've been you know, because every event like this has multiple interpretations of what it means to people. You know, so it'd be interesting to see what they what they do with it. Um, it it was a tad, like you said, a tad too long. But other than that, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, and I really not a morbid way, but I I thought it was a well done piece of film. Um, and yeah, it's one that should, should be watched. Did you did you ever get the feeling that uh, when when Vilger, Vilger, that's the fellow's name, when he was trying to get himself ready so he could go to the court, and then he started saying something like, he, "Oh, that was it." He was uh, he was saying that uh, he wanted to walk into the courtroom uh, without a walk 
Frankenstein, did you ever get the feeling that he was going to do a some sort of like Rocky montage there? I think um, I think in a different type of director's hands, it could have went sort of something for that a little bit. But I think a guy like Greengrass will hold it in a, with a lot more sort of um, respect and maybe think yeah, that's yeah. that's out of place. And yeah. if 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 you're right, if, if this was like a TV movie version of it, you know, like the the Lifetime version of it. Then yes, they absolutely would have done something like that. But I think a guy like Greengrass would hold with a lot more distinction, a lot more respect, and a lot more poise, and we'll do it in a much more classy way. Um, for myself, I'd give it a very solid eight out of ten. What about yourself? I I think I'll join you on that one. It was a good film, albeit a touch, just a touch too long. Yep. Maybe shave fifteen minutes off. Yep. But Nah, 8 out of 10, this was a good solid movie. Yeah, maybe I'm probably never going to watch it again because I feel like it's not a happy film. You don't, you don't, you don't want to sit down for a night out or a night in and sit and watch this film again. But for seeing, yeah. it, for seeing what it is, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. 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 Yeah, so on to the final film of this week's chat, um, which is one I saw last night, I think you have seen as well, and it's called Bad Times at the El Royale. Yes. Directed by Drew Goddard, who directed Cabin in the Woods. You ever seen that film? I have not. Find it very good, really good, well done horror film by from um, from from him. Um, takes sort of takes a real different take on the genre and sort of spins it around and turns it upside down and is genuinely very funny as well. Um, but he's also known as being the writer of Cloverfield. That was that was his baby. Um, he also wrote episodes for Lost, for Buffy, um, for Daredevil, the TV show. He was a showrunner on the first season of Daredevil, which, from my opinion, is the best season of Daredevil so far. Uh, and also, he was a writer of World War Z, the the movie, the, the movie, not the book, just the, the screenplay. So he's got kudos, and he is sort of well liked in Hollywood. I think the people seem to like his work. So this is sort of this is his second chance at directing, um, and it's what well, would say it's a um, it's original. It's not based on any sort of previous existing novel or book or franchise. So it's always interesting to see. Um, essentially, the film's about a group of people come to stay at a hotel called the El Royale which straddles the Nevada and California border uh, while they're there events unfold from the past that then meet up in the present and every character in the film you see sort of the, the, the event from their point of view and you get to see uh, all the, the night unfold for everybody and how this affects everyone um, some you know some murder there's some you know blood there's kind of thriller aspect there's there's a bit a little bit of everything in the film, to be honest, um, and essentially you're potentially watching the, this sort of crazy night unfold for these five people. That yeah. sums it up, yeah. And it was, it, it was good. It was like, um, I don't know, maybe this just was kind of maybe lacking in cinemas. That now every now and again, when a film like this comes around, it's not like a, just a stereotypical comic book a hero movie or whatever. Yeah. It's these kind of movies almost. They almost stand out even more now. Because it, it is original. Because it's not like another reboot of a genre that's like 30 years old. It's not a comic book movie. This is just an original take on a movie idea. And it, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yeah. It was, um, it was, it almost had remnants of a Pulp Fiction for me. It's, yeah, I mean, well, we, in the film itself, you've got Jeff Bridges playing sort of, not quite the title role, but you've got Jeff Bridges. Dakota Johnson, John Hamm, Chris Hemsworth, um, Lewis Pullman, Cynthia Envoy, they're, they're sort of the people who are in the hotel. But I would totally agree with you, it is, it's got a lot of Tarantino in it. Drew Goddard is clearly a Tarantino fan. Um, right. And you can definitely feel that in the film. Maybe a bit of Coen Brothers in there as well, I thought, a wee bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I'll go with 
that. So it's definitely taking those genres. And in a way, the film's doing nothing new. Yeah. But it's doing what it does really well. And I feel that's important, you know, that, that to do these... These are the type of films that Hollywood used to do. You know, these, like, maybe $40 million films that, you know, just you put out and you just... They're good, solid movies. They're, they're enjoyable. They're good cast, good actors. Good performances. Good script. Funny script. Decent yeah. action in it as well. But... And that's... And that's what makes this movie, I feel, is just that absolute power force of actors and actresses. Yeah. It's just it's just a good list of folk yeah. in there. And you get, you get to see actors sort of like, they're making a character. Because I'm sure the John Hamm character, for example, was written down on a page as one thing. He's came in and get put his own spin on it. And you're going, that's, he's made performance choices. Um, same with uh, Jeff Bridges' character. There's, there's choices he's making there that make that character what it is. And it's he's making those choices. But the $40 million movie just seems to have disappeared from our screens. You know, it's either... You've either got to make a $300 million movie that's going to make all the money in the world back, or you make a film for 50 quid and maybe hopefully you make your money back on that. There seems to be this middle ground right now of the $40 million thriller action film that's just missing from cinema. Yeah. And this this yeah. is the kind of film that, to me, fills that gap in the same way that a couple of years ago Baby Driver filled that yeah. gap. You know, it's that... Just that night, that that film that you really enjoy, and like Tarantino film that fell as well. He made some bit more than forty million, but that same kind of same kind of genre. Um, who's your favourite in it? Who who do you think stood out the most of the of the uh, cast? It was probably the oh, what's that name? Hold on, let me get up. The singer. Actually. Yes. Cynthia N N N E O. I think I know Envo. Envo. Um, yes. She's. I didn't know who she, she was, but she's partly huge on Broadway. She's won like a she's like she's only got an Oscar to get the EGOT Awards. She got an Emmy, a Golden Globe, and a Tony already in her life. She's just not wow. won an Oscar yet. And if she keeps going at the late rate she's going at with her performance, she probably won't be long till she's getting an Oscar. She was excellent. I thought she was awesome. I uh, every time I tap to her story, I was like. Yeah, this is quite an interesting story. I could almost watch a whole entire movie of that. Yeah. You know? Um, I thought Bridges was excellent. I thought it's nice to see him doing a role and getting more than just a sort of extended cameo, which I think is what he's got rec- more recently. He's been doing sort of like in a film for 10 minutes and that's it. This was actually mm-hmm. a part... He, he was in this film for the, like, you know, for the sizable chunk of it. Also, yeah. the the young kid in it, um, Lewis Pullman, the boy who plays like the the clerk. The, yeah. I thought he was excellent. I. I did really like that scene when it was uh, him and uh, Dakota. Yeah. When like, when she was signing in in the beginning and he came out to do his little speech yeah, again. the hotel and she just absolutely shoots him down. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, a couple, there's some really good like Tarantino-esque lines in it. It was like, what is it, the line, um, life's gone to shit, get the whiskey. It's like, that seems like something like a Tarantino line. You know, it's something mm. that he would put in a movie. Um and there was some really good little character beats, some really nice moments, like you said, that bit with the young boy when he's doing his spiel, when he's sort of like pre-programmed to do this. Um, yeah. I would say the biggest, not disappointment in the film, but a bigger thing that's slightly annoying was Hemsworth doesn't turn up for like what, it's a two and a half hour film, maybe, the four, maybe like maybe an hour and 40 minutes, hour and 50 minutes. Yeah, it's quite late on when he appears. Um I don't really know if he added much to it. Like, I know he's got a bit of weight behind him nowadays, but I felt like you could have almost had anyone else in the world in that role. Oh, see, I, dis- would- I totally disagree. I thought he was. I thought he was really fantastic. I thought he filled that role perfectly. You can just see that he's got that smile, that real charm, 
and you go, right. can he play a sort of like Charles Manson type figure? Basically, that's that's the sort of thing he's playing in in the film. And you go, and I could totally see why people would follow him into the desert and you know give all the money to yeah. him because he's that that smile, it's smiling the charm, and it's like, well, I know Joe particularly liked what he was doing in the film when he was. You know, of course, Jill did. Yeah, open shots, six pack, and all that. Yeah, you know, she she sees a lot of it at home, but you know, this was nice to see on a big screen. Um, <laughs> but I thought he'd a real. I thought again, I can see he'd, he'd real charm. It is a role that maybe twenty years ago we getting played by Matthew McConaughey, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or even maybe yeah, a Kurt yeah. Russell might have done it in a in a past. You know, in a past. You know, I 20, think 30 that's years. When the movie took a quite a sinister turn, I thought. Well, I mean, it's already pretty sinister all the way through, but yeah, it takes a real dark, dark twist um, yeah, when he does come up. Especially when he keeps on like uh, touching the young girl and all that kind of thing, and you can see that he's got the character's got a kind of like level of control. Oh yeah, on as well, and you're just about like, oh, this is just, this is just getting weird now. Yeah, um, it was, I thought, a bit longer than it had to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you in that one. It was a bit of a slog. It clogged it. It clogged in just a bit over two hours. Um, and not only that, it clogged in a bit over two hours, but I felt that the conclusion of the film wrapped up really quickly. It did. It did. Like, uh, pretty much when Chris appears, that's when I found the film started picking up pace again. And yeah. then, at least in the last half hour, it gen- well, for me anyway, it generally felt like a gallop yeah. to the end. It, it didn't, it kind of just randomly picked up pace for some reason. Yeah. You're like, whoa, all right, okay, this is where this is going now. For a film that's taking its time to set stuff up, it sort of really did rush towards the finish a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And it almost it did strike a little bit of a guy who had a good idea, a good middle, and maybe just couldn't quite nail the finish. And so they, they got, I mean, the conclusion's there, and the conclusion is what it is, I think it works well enough, but it just, it felt like it took a, a bit of a jump to get there so quickly. I, I'd agree with you on that one. Um, but, um, uh, out of I, 10, what would you give it? Uh, out of 10, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 7. 7? I feel I, like, uh, it's a solid movie. Yep. Am I, I going to rewatch it again? Maybe, if I've seen it. I'd maybe watch it again, maybe try and get something else out of it, maybe a wee bit more. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't be rushing to go and see it again. Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm a seven and a half out of ten. I think it's a solid good film. I think it's a really well done movie. I think no one in the film comes across badly from it. The director and writer who's Drew Goddard shows himself to be very competent as a director, very competent as a storyteller. Um despite the sort of little rush towards the end. And everything about the film is absolutely fantastically passable, and there's moments when you really enjoy it. But when I, we compare it earlier on to Tarantino and the Combras, it doesn't quite hit the peaks that those guys are capable of. And when you yeah. don't hit the peaks of those guys, sometimes it comes across a little bit. It comes across. If anything, it's it's like you try to imitate, and when you try and imitate the best, you've got to really get it. Otherwise, you're going to come across as looking much weaker. Um, yeah. But did I talk? I talked about a film last week called. I'm going to give it more credit than it fucking deserves. I'm talking about it again. Um, a film called Terminal, which I gave with a guy who fell in love with Tarantino and wanted to be Tarantino and said he's going to do a Tarantino movie and absolutely right. fucked it beyond belief. So that shows you how it can go really badly wrong. I think this film is much more in the lineup. There's more. There's more to love than to, to dislike in this film. And, and for that yeah. reason, seven and a half. And if it's on TV, maybe like in a, maybe a year's time, 
you know, Netflix on Sky Movies. I would probably sit and watch it again one, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday, just to yeah, yeah. just to re- revisit it. I think there's everything in it is absolutely totally enjoyable, and everybody in it is definitely having a good time, and they're definitely giving performances you can definitely get behind. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it. Like you said, uh, there's a lot of kind of good actors in this that are like getting kind of, like more roles in it and stuff, yeah. and even Chris Hemsworth as well, just playing something a wee bit different. Oh than yeah, he's maybe used to you know. Exactly, he's got away from the Thor role. You try like going, he's not just being the the smiley happy guy. He's definitely given a real kind of a, a more dark you know turn in the film. Um, so that's been quite a good week for films this week. You know, get a, a, I gave a nine and a half. You'd be both giving eight. And this one's getting a solid seven, so there's actually some really good stuff out. Um, the unfortunate thing is, first man's still out and getting a lot of wide, still in a wide release for the rest of the week. Um, for next week, sorry, twenty second July, obviously, is still out in Netflix and will be there for the next, you know, fifty years. Um, Bad times El Royale, I don't think it's pulled in the viewers. Um, it's already dropped down to one show in a day in the sort of bigger screens. So I don't think I don't think unfortunately I don't think it's quite captured the the, the, the attention of the the film going public. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah. I, I, I think it deserves more love. I, I'd say like I had seen this trailer. I tend to not really bother with trailers too much because I feel sometimes trailers ruin a movie too much. But yeah. it happened to be that I was in the cinema and I came on. And then when I seen the film, I definitely say this trailer made it feel like it was a movie that ultimately it's not. You know, I yeah. felt like the trailer made it more about um, uh, Jeff Bridges' character. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It yeah. felt like it was more centered around him when it kind of really wasn't. You know? Yeah, I mean it is definitely also a genre film, you know. So it's it's got a, it, it, any genre film has a limited audience, you know, because people who like that genre. Um, yeah. So hopefully it'll make its money back at least, so they, so that people involved in it. Particularly, well, not the actors; they all get work. But Drew Goddard will get like some more work and get more in, and get another and more projects, and not just more projects, but more original ideas. Because he, he seems like a guy who's got ideas. You know, he wrote Cloverfield. You know, he wrote this as well. So he feels like a guy who's he's got ideas and he wants to try and put them across. And anything that's an, an original idea, well, just looking at for the figures for the box office, just because I'm sitting on IMDb anyway, it's mm-hmm. a. Uh, it's pretty much made almost half its money back just with the US uh, opening weekend and then the gross. Oh, that's not US bad then. Money. So that's not bad. That's it's, not... it's halfway there just in the US market alone. Yeah, so, so I think it'll make its money back, no problem. Yeah, hopefully it's money back and hopefully, um, like I said, everyone involved in it gets some, gets some more work. Um, yeah. But, but that is, that's all the viewing for this week. Next week. If, anyone, if you're coming around to, to talk again, uh, Barry, um, we have out on proper release Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween. Okay. Okay. Um, it's kind of limited release this week, but it's on full release next week. Um, I really liked the first Goosebumps film with Jack Black. I thought it was a really funny, well, really dark, well done, kind of young adult horror film. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's actually it's a, it's a lot better than you think it's going to be. This yeah, one yeah. does seem a little bit cheaper and unfortunately doesn't seem to go up to scratch, but as always, I'm intrigued to see it. Um, also out, we have the re not reboot, they have the sequel to, of Halloween called Halloween. Um, yes. So it's basically following on from, I think, I think they're recording everything after number two. So Halloween 1, Halloween 2 still happened. Then after that, they're saying they don't happen and this is sort of the, the official sequel to after Halloween. Too, sorry. Yeah, because after the second one, that's when they went off in a strange direction, didn't they? And they did that third movie that wasn't about uh, Michael Myers. Myers. Aye. Yeah. yeah, so you got that out. Uh, you've also got Hunter Killer, which is about submarines, which looks. Well, it's got Gerard Butler in it, so take from that, take what you want. Yeah. Um, also out in full release this week is The Hate You Give. 
um, which we reviewed last week, because um, I saw it on an advanced preview. If you get a chance to watch it, I gave it a solid seven out of ten. Uh, really enjoyed, nice. really enjoyed it. Made make some really interesting points, uh, and definitely worth watching. Um, still out of the cinema. If you get a chance and you want to try and find it, is a film called Night School, which is like a big comedy. Haven't seen it, but Joe wants to see it, so may have to go and see it. And also yeah. animation film called Smallfoot, which is also out as well. Which is actually getting a lot better reviews than you think. It's getting really quite solid, actually better than better than good reviews. So that's out as well. Um, also, going to throw in one if we're going to be what usually like to watch a Netflix or an Amazon one. There's one called The Apostle, which is out this week, out last week, sorry, but it's still on Netflix. It's from the guy who done the Raid in the Raid Two. Okay. Um, it's his first English language film. Um, he actually the guy actually is from Wales. But he went over to like sort of Malaysia and started working in the film industry. But he's come back home um, to do a film, and this is his first um, like English based movie. But so it's called The Apostle. It looks ridiculously violent so have a look out for that one yeah and uh, I seen it on a billboard today uh, like, it's not on your list but Bohemian Rhapsody is out next week as well I think it's out as of Wednesday, Wednesday I, think, I think we'll be recording on Wednesday before we actually get a chance to see that but yeah it's out midweek next week yeah yeah I, I'm not going to lie I'm looking really forward to it I watched the trailer and it's just hitting all the right uh, all the right notes and uh, Rami looks like he plays a fantastic Freddie Mercury. He so. does. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really intrigued by it. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Actually, um, and I, I, it's going to be one of those horrible movies where it's either going to be absolutely fantastic or it's going to be terrible. I think, it, I think it looks solid. I think, I think it's going to be a good film. I get feeling it'll be a good yeah. film. Um, I think I can probably predict how it's going to go. I think it'll probably fall roughly the same pattern as the Johnny Cash story or the Ray Charles story. But I still right. think it'll be well worth a watch. If anything, for the music, which you know I'm, I'm actually quite like Queen, uh, and also for Malik's performance as um, as Freddy. Um, but yeah, so that's that. We won't be talking about that next week. I don't think we'll get to see that before um, next week's recording. But it is out. We want to go and see it. Um, and Barry, do you want to tell people what to find us before we log off? Yeah, sure. All the usual social medias. Uh, you can find us at Three Beers in a Movie. And that's on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, and you can email at threebeersmovie at gmail.com Oh, we've got the email back again. We have, I have my sale again access to the email, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so feel free to contact Colin in that oil. <laughs> yes. Um, but for this week, this has been Three Beers Movie. I've been Richard, you've been... Larry. Three Beers Movie.